Taysom Hill, the starting quarterback today for the New Orleans Saints. This is the Rich Eisen Show. Sean Payton has told the Saints that he's stepping away. Live from the Rich Eisen Show studio in Los Angeles. Who wants to go to New Orleans and take over this team with a terrific defense, but with an open question to quarterback, to say the least. The Rich Eisen Show, today's guest, host of HBO's Back on the Record with Bob Costas. Bob Costas, host of ESPN's First Take, Stephen A. Smith, plus from the Netflix movie Home Team, actor Kevin James. And now, it's Rich Eisen. All righty then. Hey, everybody. Welcome to this edition of the Rich Eisen Show. 844-204-RICH is the number to dial. Uh, right here on uh, Peacock, we say good afternoon, uh, East Coast. Good morning to our Peacock viewers. NBC Sports on Peacock every single day after Dan Patrick taking you to Brother from Another as part of uh, uh, another exciting day in the sports neighborhood. We say hello to our Sirius XM Channel 85 listeners and to our Rich Eisen Show terrestrial Radio listeners, those listening on Odyssey, those who listen later on our podcast. Really, we have many platforms. Um, and we say hello to all of you. Um, we did just hear in our open that Stephen A. Smith was scheduled to be on today. Um, we, uh, he, he could not make it today, or we could not make it work today, but we upgraded. Uh, he's going to be in studio next week. Hey he's coming to Los Angeles. Winner. Um, so uh, so um, good news for you, T.J. Jefferson. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have gotten the reprieve today. The reprieve? Um, Who needs that? Well, I mean, because you have a certain tier system of, of who's allowed to talk to you uh, because you're of your cowboy fan status. No, no, no. Who I'm willing to spend my time even to better, argue with. Even better. Anyone can talk. And if America. he had called in, he wouldn't see the fact that you have roped off your section with a velvet rope. Uh, cowboy for the rest blue of the playoffs, velvet rope. Right. And so a cowboy blue velvet rope. I didn't have a red one in my defense. No, I understood. Just, you know. um, so he will now physically see that physically next see it, week. Yes. And that will be, as the kids say, lit. I can't. I can't imagine like Stephen candle. A. After I give him my reasoning, because you know he gets a lot. He hears from all types of jabronis. He probably he was, might respect it. He would have to because imagine all the crap that he has to deal with. Like I have to deal with oh, a yeah. millionth, so, one millionth of what he has. I can't to, wait because so. you're saying not only will he respect it, he might actually co-opt your. He should adopt system. it. He should adopt it. Save him some time on Twitter. So at any rate, uh, <laughs> that'll be next week. Definitely uh, stay tuned for all of that. Good to see you, Chris Brockman. How are you, sir? Good to see you. Yes, pointing up to the sky. It's big two years ago man. today. Uh, oh, I thought you were pointing up to the sky. Uh, I was uh, doing big for Kobe's Kobe. home run celebration. Uh, and obviously R.I.P. Kobe. Good to see you over there, Mr. Feller. How are you? Good to see you. Good to see you. So, yeah, we went off the air just as Sean Payton news had broken that uh, he was stepping away as head coach of the Saints. And um, and then he, uh, I think, if I'm not mistaken, he's still speaking at his final <laughs> press conference right now. Yeah. I can't wait when we talk to Sean Payton next, um, you know, telling him about that. I, it, you know, I kept looking up at the TV like, is this guy still talking? Like, this is still going well, on. I just kind of did. The whole thing was was. Pretty cool and, and, and neat. And we'll discuss that on the show as well here uh, on the Wednesday before championship Sunday in the NFL world. Um, and uh, look, you mentioned to start the show, you pointed up to the sky. Uh, Big Poppy uh, is a baseball hall of famer. He is going to the baseball hall of fame and museum 
in uh, Cooperstown, New Congratulations. York. And he got it by the hair of his uh, big poppy chinny chin chin. <laughs> Because the, it appears it appears the voting for the Baseball Hall of Fame and museum is broken. It just it feels it feels to me no totally broken. <laughs> uh, six members of the Baseball Writers Association of America handed in their um, their sheet with uh, no names checked off. That every single name that was placed on there, um, I don't know how many there are. Um, I guess I shouldn't carp on the voting if I'm not completely locked in on the exact information. Semantics but it seemed to no be matter. what, like uh, three dozen uh, names at least that were on yeah, there big list. that yeah, you don't big list. you don't check a single box, that there's not a single person that you think on that list that you cannot tell the story of baseball without their inclusion into uh, enshrinement or did not have a career that is so far and above uh, that person's peers while he was playing that you would just hand in the sheet, say, I don't have anybody here for you. It's absurd. It's it's ridiculous. Because if you think that everybody on that list is not worthy of enshrinement because you feel that they cheated when they were playing, okay, then you have somewhat of a case, somewhat of a case, but... I would reject that case. And I covered the sport from 96 to 2003. I was sitting on the set of SportsCenter day in, day out, when these guys with their trapezoidal heads were knocking the ball out of the park. And all of us on the set were thinking something was up because Brady Anderson's hitting 50 home runs, and people who are, you know, once upon a time, rail thin, are knocking the ball out of the park in a manner that just did not seem normal. Baseball, I, sitting on the set of ESPN, we were all watching it. And we all knew something was up or something was off. And we all kept on rocking in the free world. That's what we did. And I think about it all the time when I see these highlights pop back up on my Twitter feed. And I think, did I lend anything to it? I was a 26-year-old guy. I'm not going to sit there and go on the air and go, well, this guy looks weird. <laughs> uh, honestly, like, I, 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 so I'm giving myself a little bit of a break. And, and nobody no, really know. Nobody really had any chicks idea back dig then, the though. long ball commercials were out there too. Heather Locklear was making commercials with two thirds of the Braves rotation. Right. It was fun. Okay. And yeah. it, right. It's enjoyable. I it was, was it on was the great. set watching yeah. McGuire chase Maris with Sosa joining. And it was awesome. It was awesome. It was terrific. The sport was absurdly popular everybody was talking about it mcguire handled his business in such a way that it was even more awesome to watch okay with his son being the bat boy you know his wife who he wasn't with anymore welcoming her and her family everybody was there together watching him do it and he was classed the whole way and it was awesome and I got to know him and got to love him.
and he retired. He called. I, I got the call from him when he retired. And I broke the news on ESPN to say he was leaving, which is something that I think Tony LaRosa still holds against me, <laughs> to be honest with you. Just got the facts, Tony. That's it. And the facts right. And I asked Mark in his retirement, sit down with me. Did you take performance enhancing drugs? And he told me no to my face. We all know differently now. We all know differently now, but we were all in on it. All of us in on it. By watching it, knowing something's up, nobody said anything because everybody was doing it. And there are some that would take offense to not everybody was doing it. And those are the people that should be in the Hall of Fame. And those who are in on it shouldn't be. And I don't know how you can make that distinction. Certainly when it is a baseball Hall of Fame and museum. Put Bonds in. Put Sosa in. Put McGuire in. Put Clemens in. Put them all in. Because when everybody was doing it, or mostly everybody was doing it, they were the best at it. And how can you have these people out when they're baubles and trinkets and big moment objects of baseball? Gloves, hats, bats, balls, they're all in there. Yeah. I mean, it's not like Bonds, you, it's not like you walk into Cooperstown and you see nothing of Barry Bonds. <laughs> My kids haven't gone there yet. They're gonna. I'll take them there one day. You know, they go to camp in the Northeast. Maybe one year we'll, I'll come and grab them. And, you know, when this scourge of Omicron's not everywhere or whatever, and we'll just, we'll just do it. Maybe we'll do it anyway. I, I don't know when we're going to do it. But I've only been be one nice time. I'll take there. them. It's amazing. Yeah. It's amazing. That town is awesome. amazing. It's, it's like incredible. a Rockwell painting coming to life. Great. And when the sun sets... And it, it just turns like red. It turns like a color red that you, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. It really is a lot of a movie. And um, at any rate, when they go there and they'll see Bonds' baseball and they'll see this and they'll see that, like, where's Bonds' plaque? Well, it's not here because it's punishment. That it's, it's, it's a uh, consequence. And I teach my kids all the time, your actions have consequences. And their actions have a consequence that voters decided not to put them in the Baseball Hall of Fame and museum. And I keep saying that because it's a museum. Put it on their plaque. Put it on their plaque. Bingo. And you could say, what, they were accused of it? They were doing that? Just put it in. They did. You played it. Played baseball in the steroid era. That's it. The word steroids on there. Put it on that they did it in the steroid. What about Bonds? He was never, he was never, you know, um, never caught, never failed. Okay, got it, got it. So the guy who was so good, by the way, and him and McGuire. McGuire, when he was real thin, he still has a rookie home run record. 49. 49, Okay, and Bonds, when he was real thin, was so amazing. And it's the damn shame that these guys then turn to it. Okay. Clemens, when he was on the Red Sox. Amazing. Taking on the Mets in 86. Then his career was over and he went to Toronto and it was like, oh. When did he get so big? Yeah. He threw a broken bat at Mike Piazza. We all know. We all knew. We all know. Just put it on their plaque. Had this, had that in the steroid era. 
and then leave it up to the players who get put in the Hall of Fame. I'm not showing up because I didn't do this. I didn't do that. Fine. It's on you. It's on you. We are saying you are one of the best of your generation, and you cannot tell the story of baseball without Barry Bonds. You cannot. You cannot. (laughs) No. And the crazy thing is this, is the commissioner of the steroid era is in there. He got enshrined. But these players aren't? (laughs) Huh? Make it make sense, Rich. And then let the players say, I don't, I'm being unfairly singled out. Well, you're enshrined. You're in. We're saying you're in. We, we have voted you in. And tell the writers what the criteria is. Don't just punt it all the way down to these writers and some of whom who do not have the credibility to hand in a blank sheet of paper. Come on. And I'm speaking to some. I'm so conflicted about it. I still have McGuire's. I still have some McGuire yeah. stuff in my office at home. You know, I'm so conflicted about it. But I remember it was amazing. It was so much fun to watch. It was amazing. We were all looking the other way, all of us. Because why are they looking like this? Why do they look like this? Bodybuilders. Come on. Why does somebody who's got Eight home runs suddenly hit 50. Why does that happen that somebody who can barely get it out of the park when they hit the hanging curve and pull it down the line is now suddenly waving their bat at a ball and popping it out of the park opposite field deep into left center field? How does that happen? Come on. Come on. So that's my take on it. What's yours? 844-204-RICH, number to dial. Bob Costas is first up. Keeper of the flame, wouldn't you say? I would say so. Probably should be commissioner, but he doesn't want the job, I'm guessing. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) You want to ask him? Sure. Because he's coming up in six minutes. Six minutes time. Bob's up first. And then, um, you know, short of having Sean Payton on, uh, we've got uh, the man who's playing him in a theater near you very shortly in the movie Home Team. Kevin James is joining us on the program. Is he the next Saints coach? I'm going to ask him. It's going to be awkward. Excellent. <laughs> so short of having Sean Payton, here comes the man playing Sean Payton in a theater near you. We're also uh, identifying what you, you've identified five AFC teams. Five AFC teams. That would be the... Potential future Super Bowl winning home of Aaron Rodgers. I think so. If Rodgers would go to one of these teams, they'd have a great shot to win it. Very good. All right. So we've got that coming up on this program. 844-204-RICH. Number to dial. We'll take a break. Come back. The great Bob Costas joining us next. He's in the hall. And there's nothing enhanced about Bob Costas (laughs) except his brain. That's coming up next. Let's talk O'Reilly Auto Parts, people, or as you might know from their jingle, O-O-O O'Reilly Auto Parts. They're in the business of keeping your car on the road. 
O'Reilly Auto Parts offers friendly, helpful service and the parts knowledge you need for all your maintenance and repairs because you know when you need your car fixed, you need somebody who knows what they're talking about and is helpful, has a smile on their face, and gets you back on the road. They've got thousands of parts and accessories in stock, either in-store or online, so you never have to worry if you're in a jam. The team at O'Reilly Auto Parts can test your battery for free in or out of your car. If it needs to be replaced, they'll help you just find the right battery for your vehicle. Need your windshield wipers replaced, a brake light fix, or a quick service? They'll help you find the right part or point you to the nearest local repair shop for help. Whether you're a car aficionado or an auto novice, you will find the employees at O'Reilly Auto Parts knowledgeable, helpful, and the best of all, friendly. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit us at O'ReillyAuto.com slash Eisen. That's O'ReillyAuto.com slash Eisen. Hey, folks, it's time for the NFL Draft, which means for me, I need a good night's sleep because if I don't have one, I'm just not myself. You know the deal. You know exactly how important it is to have quality sleep. It's a game changer for all of us. So sleep number helps me. My sleep number setting is 60. My wife's setting is 70. We both get a great night's sleep because we could adjust the firmness of our mattress on each side. Improve your quality sleep because Sleep Number learns how you sleep thanks to their smart beds and provide personalized insights to help you sleep better. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. This is the Rich Eisen Show. Back here on our terrestrial radio uh, network along with NBC Sports on Peacock and also Sirius XM Channel 85. One of the best of all time. Love this man. Love everything about him. And uh, I would say that even if he wasn't maybe listening to this introduction, he is the great Bob Costas here on the Rich Eisen Show. How you doing, Bob? Oh, Rich, I just picked up the phone. <laughs> you, you plan to introduce me first in some fulsome and appropriately appreciative fashion? <laughs> Thank you very much. Okay. <laughs> All right, sir. Uh, I give you the floor on yesterday's news that it was David Ortiz and only David Ortiz that uh, earned enshrinement into Cooperstown. Bob, you know, there are distinctions to be made, and I think we all made these points yesterday on the Major League Baseball Network during mm-hmm. the marathon coverage we had. There are distinctions even within those who are connected in some sense to PEDs. In the case of David Ortiz... He shows up on the 2003 survey testing. A, the results were not supposed to be connected to any individual. They were trying to find out if, as a group, the level of use was high enough to institute testing and penalties to go along with it, and the results should have been destroyed once they had the total uh, macro number. The micro didn't matter. Plus, apparently, there were at least 10, maybe more, false positives within it, or there could have been positives from things that you got that were not illegal, either by law or by uh, what baseball failed, uh, planned rather uh, to put on a list of banned substances. And that doesn't mean that that automatically acquits David Ortiz in that circumstance, but it creates enough doubt. Plus, no matter what people might speculate about, the bulk of his career played out when there was testing and he never tested positive. So I think that he's in a different category 
than someone like A-Rod, uh, who was suspended a couple of times, who sued baseball, etc., etc. Great a player as A-Rod was, you put him in a different category. Different category than Manny Ramirez. Um, different category than Bonds and Clemens, whose careers predated testing for the most part, and when there was testing, somehow they evaded it uh, toward the ends of their careers. But it's pretty clear, especially in Bond's case, uh, Clemens was probably able to sustain and maybe regain uh, a certain standing because of PED use. But Bonds, who was already one of the greatest players of all time, was transformed from a genuinely great player to a superhuman player who turned baseball into a video game. So they're they're all kind of in different categories and i think the voters parsed david ortiz differently and his popularity and his pleasant personality probably didn't hurt him they parsed that differently uh... than clemens um, and bonds and kurt Schilling's in an entirely different category the only guy who in his last year saw his vote total go down mm. and not by a little by a lot he says, hey, I don't want to be on the ballot. Don't vote for me. And apparently a lot of writers said, okay, if that's what you want, we'll comply. Uh, Kurt, and, but let me say this. As I've said forever, Rich, all three of the guys I just mentioned, Bonds, Clemens, Schilling, if I had a vote, and as you know, only writers do, uh, regardless of what my misgivings might have been with regard to some aspect of their candidacy, I would have voted for all three of those guys. And it should be said that a majority of voters did vote for all three. But the threshold is 75%. So what about the idea, Bob, of just putting on their plaques that they, whatever their accomplishments, however you want to write it on their plaques, because that's the way it's done um, for, for this museum. Because that, you know, there's a word museum in the title for a reason that you you um you just put in the steroid era and that's it that's the that's the those words are are the if you will asterisk that you can infer from from their plaque and that's how you leave it and and don't leave it to the writers to parse out who may have done it who didn't do it who did it but never got caught you know just that's it and then and then if the if that pisses off the enshrinee, then so be it. But they're in because you can't tell the story without them, certainly, because there was an era of baseball, the steroid era. That's a fact. There's a number of thoughts that come to mind as you pose this question, Rich, so I apologize for what might be Go for it. Um, a long answer. <laughs> Go for uh, it. It's not a short one. You know, I don't, it's, it's not an easy question. Right. Well, Howard Bryant, uh, the esteemed writer for ESPN, biographer of Hank Aaron, uh, chronicler of the steroid era, wrote one of the most uh, thoughtful books about it, has an upcoming biography of Ricky Henderson, longtime member of the Writers Association. He has not submitted a ballot. Some people submit a blank ballot. He hasn't voted at all for the last five years as a protest about the fact that the Hall of Fame provides no guidance, which is part of what you're alluding to mm-hmm. here. How do you parse this? Even somebody who wants to say, look, uh, I'm an absolutist about it. I don't care how good you were. If you use PEDs, and I strongly believe you did for even a portion of your career, I'm not going to vote for you. On the other hand, we know that there are guys who we can reasonably assume did use PEDs who are already in the Hall of Fame. And none of them were as good on their natural merits as Barry Bonds was. <laughs> so so you have that, you have that aspect. 
of it. Um, and I had several other thoughts, and then they drifted out of my mind while I was making that point. So you, know, you, you, you better book me several times in the next week or so before no. I'm completely incoherent. No, no, but it, it, I, I totally you know, hear you, Bob, because it is something that has many different levels to it. And, uh, and you know, with, with the fact that you you're don't give guidance to the voters, thus you have some, like you mentioned Howard Bryant saying, I'm not voting at all. Then yeah. you got six that don't you know, say I am voting, but there's nobody here on the piece of paper, which is absurd. It's absurd that, you know, that, that you can't say that anybody on that piece of paper wasn't head and shoulders special above somebody else from their era. And then you wind up having this conversation, which is kind of uh, useless, right? Yeah. When it all comes down to it. That's why, you know, I, I hear like, let's have a special wing, another room just for these guys. Put them in the same room, but just the words in the steroid era appear on the plaque. And I don't know, I guess there's a committee who decides those words go on there. I, as you know, I don't just say things. I try to figure out what the mechanics of would be of doing that. Yeah. But maybe that's that's what you do. Yeah, there's a there's a committee at the museum that says we're putting those words on it. And that's the end of that. Yeah, you know? that makes sense. And I'll address that in a second. I've now remembered the Great. other point, which is this. You said, as many people say, hey, it's a museum. Well, yes, it is. And if you've been there, you know that Pete Rose, <clears throat> Shoeless Joe Jackson, Barry Bonds, Roger Clemens, they are all prominently represented in the museum part uh, for their achievements, uh, for the eras they represent, as is segregation as is labor strife. The, the history of the game is told in Cooperstown as a museum, but the gallery where the plaques hang is a separate question. But I agree with you that they could. They could have done it with Pete Rose way back when. You list his achievements, and at the bottom of the plaque it says, suspended for life as an active participant in baseball in 1989 for involvement with gambling. Some version of that, mm -hmm. uh, you, let's say you're talking about Barry Bonds, you put all the achievements there. One of the, it starts one of the greatest all-round players in the history of baseball, which is beyond dispute. And then something toward the bottom that, that says uh, accomplishments discounted by some or diminished by, in the minds of some uh, for involvement in the steroid era. Something like that. Some, some sort of anodyne thing like that, mm -hmm. which directs people, especially in subsequent generations, some 12-year-old kids walking through as yet unborn and, um, and doesn't quite know how to put it into context. Well, he's standing right there. You want it in context? There's a, an MLB library there. There's a museum next door. It's actually in the same building, but the next part of the building. That's one way that you could handle that. Um, I just think it's not possible to have a... You, you can keep... Rafael Palmero out, regrettable as that may be. Rafael Palmero was a very good player who has Hall of Fame credentials just based on the numbers, but you can tell the general history of baseball without Rafael Palmero. Um, as good as he was, he's not in the elite inner circle, but Barry Bonds sure as hell is on his natural merits. So, I, you know, I just don't think you can look the other way. You've got to make some kind of common sense accommodation to how great he was, while at the same time acknowledging that even though what he did inflated his numbers, 
it diminished his standing. No question about that. And and so what we're what we're kind of knocking around here, Bob Bob Costas here on the Rich Eisen Show is removing the argument from the level of should this player get into the Hall of Fame at all into now 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 it's an argument about actual language on a plaque yeah and so uh, i would prefer it to be about language than just about entry at all so um how does something like this get done does baseball once they're through what hopefully isn't a nuclear spring figure like get get knock heads together figuratively and or how does it or is it, is it a baseball well, writer's decision like how, how does no, this get streamlined not, you know the writers vote but they don't run the hall of fame and people may assume but incorrectly that central baseball on park avenue runs the hall of fame mm-hmm. uh-uh the board of directors of the hall of fame do under the larger auspices of jane forbes clark whose family has underwritten much of the Hall of Fame, and helped it improve as a museum and a site for tourists. So they've done a great service, but there's kind of a central power there in that little hamlet Mm -hmm. in upstate New York, which brings me to this. Mm -hmm. In 1991, and this is only tangentially related, but it's interesting. In 1991, the board of directors of the Hall of Fame decided that they would put in this rule. Anyone who is on the permanently ineligible list is not eligible for the Hall of Fame ballot. Now, that was clearly aimed at Pete Rose and Pete Rose alone, because then, since he last played in 1986, then he was on the cusp of being eligible for the ballot. So, it's an ex post facto rule. Didn't exist. No clear-thinking person denies or doubts that, based on the rules, that Pete Rose should have been banned from baseball for life, and then he didn't make his case any better by lying about it for a long time and then only coming clean um, when he wanted to sell a book. Plus, nobody would ever nominate him for Citizen of the Year. Mm -hmm. It's problematic in other respects when you look at Pete's life in its totality. But Pete was an undeniably great ball player who never, so far as the evidence indicates, consciously cheated the game. In fact, he was the opposite of that. He lived for the game, and he played all out at all times so they put in this rule after the fact now think about that think of the people the various miscreants for their off the field activities and steroid users and whatnot who at least are on the ballot they get to be considered pete rose has never been considered it it just doesn't doesn't make any sense now everywhere you turn i said this yesterday at the end of the the broadcast on mlbn Pete Rose is banned from baseball. This segment brought to you by DraftKings <laughs> and BetMGM. Now, obviously, that's a little glib because there is a distinction here. Made despite the proliferation of gambling, legalized gambling, which all the sports leagues now not only tolerate, they encourage, they actively encourage, there's still uh, a prohibition on gambling for anybody directly involved in the game, and that includes employees of the Major League Baseball Network. They're all subject to sanctions of various kinds. And if you bet on baseball right now, if Mike Trout bet on baseball, he's subject, at least as according to the written rule, to the same penalty that, that was meted out to Pete Rose. Okay, fine. But still, think about Pete Rose, who's now 81 years old. And in the present atmosphere, gambling's being encouraged. What harm would it do? Not to put him in by acclamation, 
but to put his name on the ballot. Let him be considered the same way that Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens were considered yesterday and have been considered for the last 10 years and will be considered again by veterans committees. Bob Costas here uh, on the Rich Eisen Show. Okay, so does this end the conversation because Bonds and Clemens have now uh, lost their eligibility to be voted on year in and year out? Where, do, where does it go from here, essentially, no, this conversation? No, well, everybody, everybody is eventually remanded, in a sense, to baseball's Court of Appeals, which right. are the various veterans committees. Right. But coincidentally, the modern era, today's game, I think they call it, it goes in cycles. Uh, the today's game era consideration comes up again this December. So it's a 16-member committee. The composition of the committees change over time. It's not all former players. It's writers, executives, former players and managers. Same standards, smaller uh, electorate, Mm -hmm. but you still have to get 75%. You still need 12 out of the 16 votes. So Roger Clemens and and Barry Bonds and Curt Schilling, for that matter, are right back in the discussion before this year is over. Before I let you go, Bob, um, it is the two-year anniversary of the passing of Kobe Bryant. Uh, I would be remiss if I didn't ask you of, um, I guess, your favorite Bryant story or one that uh, leaps to mind um, from when you were uh, at the mic and his ascendancy was front and center. Yeah. Some Some quick thoughts. I heard the end of his conversation with you as mm-hmm. I was waiting to come on, you're, you can't help but be struck by how thoughtful he is. You know, we often say, well, someone expresses themselves well when they simply put one word after another effectively. But this was a guy expressing nuanced thoughts uh, and a larger view of the world and his place in it. Very, very impressive. And he evolved as a person over time, including getting past some missteps. Um, Now, on a personal level, here's what I remember. When he broke into the NBA right out of high school, so he's still a teenager, I did one of the first interviews with him, and it was striking how different he was from most athletes you encounter, especially athletes of that age. Now, obviously, he had a different kind of upbringing. He spent part of his life, uh, young life, in in Italy, upper middle class, maybe even better off than that, spoke multiple languages. He just had a larger sense of the world around him, not just basketball, but the world itself, and you couldn't help but see that. And then I was lucky enough to be part of the NBA on NBC um, in the 90s and and the early 2000s, and playing along with Shaq, had they been able to stay together for a more extended period, uh, a good portion of NBA history, I think, would have been different. After all, they won the three uh, championships in a row, 2000 through 2002, and they seemed to be a nearly uh, unstoppable force, and there were good players around them, but the two of them were at the heart of it. Uh, and Kobe, I remember one game in the 2000 finals, might have been game four um, in Indy, and Shaq fouled out. And the game went to overtime, and Kobe who was already obviously having uh, an impact on the series. But when Shaq fouled out, you could almost see it. You could almost feel it. It wasn't like he didn't shrink from that moment. He grew in that moment. This is what I'm here for. i got to be the guy right now. And at the end of regulation and in overtime, that's when Kobe Bryant, I think, on a big stage emerged as not just a star, 
but a great, great inner circle Hall of Fame type player. Right, and, and the true heir to Jordan, the true heir to Michael Jordan. He no, had many of the same traits no question. that Michael had. Um, and you saw, you know, Michael isn't often uh, publicly emotional. And you saw at Kobe's memorial Fair service yes. how deep that connection was and how much of himself he saw in Kobe uh, reduced to tears as, as he spoke about him. I don't know that anyone will ever match or exceed Jordan for a variety of reasons, because it isn't just pure, objective, statistical basketball excellence. It's kind of the, the period of time in which it happened uh, in the NBA and all the, the effects he had on the game and even on pop culture beyond his basketball excellence. I don't know that anybody will ever match that combination, but in terms of kind of their, their persona, their view of themselves, their work ethic. Kobe was was a little brother to Michael. Bob, I greatly appreciate the time as always. Uh, look forward to having you back on uh, during the NFL scouting combine. I think I've got you booked for three shows. Oh, but that. wait, yeah. but wait. Yeah. I, I realize I'm taking up your whole program, <laughs> but I know that apart from the combine, yes. you seek my NFL insights. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure that you have talked about this, yes. but I will reiterate a point I first made on NBC five years ago. Okay. I made it again on HBO as this NFL season started. Okay. And how many examples of this do they need before they come to their senses? The NFL's overtime rule yep. in the playoffs, forget about the regular season. There are reasons to get things over quickly then. Yes. In the playoffs, this isn't just dumb. It's the dumbest rule in all of American sports. <laughs> wow! It is unfair wow. on its face. It's obviously unfair on its face. You got a few minutes here? You want me to give you the full thing? Bob, yes, hey. because I have some thoughts on the subject, too. So. This, this, this is therapeutic for me. Okay. Because, as you know, I'm not as invested in the NFL as you are. Yes, sir. That's I'm not correct. following it like I used to, yes. but anybody can get engaged in big postseason games. And I was riveted by all four games this past weekend. Yes. And then it concludes with the Buffalo-Kansas City game. Mm -hmm. Here we have a league. Got to give you context here. Here we have a league that will examine six different angles and freeze frames on a call in the second quarter of an October game between the Jets and the Jaguars <laughs> that will measure within a millimeter for a first down. Because, after all, we want to get it right. That's right. But then in the most important games, including the Super Bowl, mm -hmm. let's flip a coin and have the outcome so disproportionately influenced by something as random as that. On its face, it's completely unfair. This rule, we score a touchdown, game's over, score a field goal, game continues, is the rough equivalent of saying that if the seventh game of the World Series goes to extra innings and the visiting team scores on a home run, game over. But... If they scored a sacrifice fly or a single, the other team gets to bat. Preposterous on its face. So it's unfair, but also it diminishes the drama. Josh Allen never touched the ball. This isn't some anomaly. It happens all the time. It happened to Aaron Rodgers in Seattle and in Arizona. It happened to Mahomes himself in the AFC Championship game against Brady and the Patriots. It happened to Drew Brees. It's happened over and over again. Matt Ryan was the MVP the year they went to the Super Bowl. The Falcons blow the game. They blow the lead, so I'm not absolving them of the blame. But if the flip had gone the other way, Brady might never touch the ball. Matt Ryan never touched the ball. How does that enhance the excitement and the drama? And where's the audience going? 
The audience isn't going anywhere. You got a one o'clock regular season game that goes to overtime. You don't want it to bleed over into the four o'clock games that are nationally televised. Plus, now you're playing a 17 game season. You don't want to wear the players out. But now you're at the end. The audience is only building. The drama is only building. How is it more dramatic to take the ball out of Josh Allen's hands or Aaron Rodgers or Drew Brees or Patrick Mahomes or Matt Ryan or potentially Tom Brady? Plus, mm. in overtime, under this rule, Rich, one of the key elements of the drama of football is completely erased, which is clock management, the race against time. And in that very game, you saw it. 13 seconds to go, you're at the 25-yard line, but you do have two timeouts. Somehow, you get into field goal range. That can never be a consideration. Even if they played for another two hours, the clock would have nothing to do with it under these rules in overtime. So it's competitively unfair, it's bad theater, and how many examples do they need? Somebody says, you know, we need a stop sign at this intersection because potentially there could be a pile up here. Ah, now we don't need it. Now let's have a half-dozen pile-ups, time after time, and you still don't put the stop sign there. This is idiocy. Okay, so if this was the NFL overtime rule, I would not have a chance to rebut. This would be over, and we would just be done. You've made my case. Okay, no, but no, uh, but here's the answer. is what, what do you – first of all, you are assuming – that the that neither defense was going to stop either person. You're assuming that. And the other games that could have gone to overtime, like, say, Green Bay, San Francisco, and also the Rams and the Bucks, might not have had – you're just assuming that whoever loses the coin toss is going to lose the game because their defenses are gassed. That's no, not, not the circumstances for every – well, hold on. And then, and then the other aspect of it is what, what happens if you do put into place what you're saying – is you now want to defer if you win the coin toss. You want sure. to go second, and thus neither team is going to be as aggressive as we would like until sudden death finally does arrive, or do we continue to just let everybody just within its own, you get a possession, I get a possession, nope. and we keep doing that? How, how does it all play out from, from no, you, you from there? You play a timed period, and they okay. can have the competition committee decide what that time should be. Okay. Maybe for the purposes of drama and not wearing the players out, maybe that's eight minutes. Maybe it's ten minutes. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's a full 15-minute quarter. Right. What, whatever it is, the clock still comes into play, and all the normal dynamics of a football game are in play. It would be more dramatic. It would also be fair. And to your point, yes, the defense can stop the team that wins the toss and elects to receive. And how big an advantage that is is proven by the fact that if you played 100 overtime games under this rule, not once would a team ever defer. They would always elect to receive Mm. the ball. But the defense could stop them. But that doesn't mean that that's fair. This kind of shrug your shoulders, hey, just stop them. Well, sure. But if you had the best defense in the history of the league against the worst offense in the history of the league – you still wouldn't say, well, no problem, we'll stop them. It's just it's an unfair advantage for the team that gets the ball under these rules. Well, as you know, I, uh, I am up against, in the radio business, a, a hard out, so I only have enough time at, to, left to ask you, do you feel better having gotten this off your chest? <laughs> Is this, yes, you said but then I'll thing? move on to something else that I'm obsessing about. Like the so, combo. <laughs> like I've the... just deferred. I've just deferred <laughs> from just defer- one <laughs> obsession and issue to the next. Bob, that extra inning idea isn't bad. <laughs> oh, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> 
Hey, don't start schooling with baseball now. we got enough problems here. Shut up. Take care of yourself, Bob Costas. Take care. Thanks for the call. All right, see you guys. There you go, ladies and gentlemen. Goat. Maybe Chris Brockman's crowning achievement, the seven-plus years of this program, saying something that causes Bob Costas to tell him. Shut up. Please tell me that was clean enough to use as a drop. And that we didn't just laugh too hard over it. Uh, I think we got it. This, yes. Wow. Bob Costas telling Brockman to just <laughs> shut up. Shut up! Oh, shut up! Syracuse on Syracuse Prime. Says one of the most esteemed <laughs> broadcasters ever. One of the best orators of all. All right, we've got to take a break. We'll be back in a second. Right here on the Rich Eisen Show. <laughs> Let's talk game time. Boy, do we love using game time tickets at the Rich Eisen Show. And every single time I've been watching the basketball playoffs on TV, I've been wondering what it would be like to be at these games. And when you choose your tickets on game time, you can see the view from your seat where the court is, where you are in relation to it. And then the all-in prices, that's my favorite feature. The all-in prices makes sure that you see the lowest price guarantee and also know exactly how much everything costs costs all in before you purchase. So all the guesswork is removed when you buy playoff tickets with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use my code RICH for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Visit GameTime.co for restrictions. Again, create an account, redeem my code RICH for $20 off your first purchase. Download Game Time today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about how to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford Anything, wherever you listen. This is the Rich Eisen Show. Back here on the Rich Eisen Show, where Bob Costas just told Brockman to shut up. <laughs> I'm not kidding. That's a great idea, though. So again, it would be it would be first guy, first team to hit hits a home run. That's it. Game other, over. Game over. Walk off. Walk off. Home team doesn't get a chance to doesn't answer. Doesn't get a chance to answer. You know, in our in the way we say, hey, play defense. Don't give up a home run. That's really easy to say, though. Don't give up a home run. Like I, you're not going out there with the intention to give up a home run. Well, you're not going out there with the intention of giving up a touchdown in overtime. I know that. What if what if the guy who who hits it out uh, has a buzzer underneath his jersey? Ooh, <laughs> man, that's that's a tough. Was did something get banged? Didn't happen. I know that didn't happen. I don't want to hear. <laughs> Was a garbage can banged at the time or no? Come on, the garbage cans. No, but that's what Bob. That's and again, that's there's, there are so many equivalencies you can say about these things. But again, now I asked Bob, like, so what happens after both teams touch it and, you know, the team that didn't win the toss gets the ball first now? Because if you win the toss, you are not taking the ball first. You want to know what to beat, what to do. You play it differently when you know what you have to get as opposed to being the first team to put a point on the board. And you know what would be wild under those circumstances is if the defense does stop the first team, right? Let's just say this happened. Bills get the ball first. And the Chiefs defense finally holds Josh Allen, right? Right. Now, 
the Chiefs can just go down the field and kick a three, kick a field goal. That's the end of it. Yeah, that's not, it. We're not they, playing as aggressive. Which they didn't exactly. It right, changes right, right. everything. You're not as aggressive, and you're certainly not as aggressive if you're the Bills. Come on now. And so then see, he said you, you play a full timed um, quarter. Right. So well, if you're still tied, what do you do? Play again? Play another quarter? I guess. So it's going to be like hockey? We're just going to be then, here all and night? And then what? Keep going. We're just going to be here all night? And then what? Yeah, but you can't play, you can't play eight, quarter, an eight-quarter football game. You can't play a, a, even a six-quarter football game. Yeah. At some point, it's got to end. The Super Bowl can't go five hours. <laughs> like, it's not Penguins, Flyers, I overtime I totally hockey. understand you know I mean? how disappointing it is that, 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 that and unfair it is that Allen didn't get a chance to respond. I totally understand that I guess you didn't have sensation. a problem with that. Josh Allen. And you know who had a problem with it two years ago because he didn't get a chance to touch the ball was Kelsey after that AFC loss, AFC championship game loss. Like the players know the rules. They they know what's at stake. They don't all know the rules. That's the thing. That's, that is true. <laughs> wow, that's true. Are they better now? Here's something really stupid. What if you get to overtime, you each get a drive, no one scores. This is dumb. But like the second drive, you've now got to play your second string. <laughs> so, I mean, people are coming up with all guys. sorts of crazy ideas your calls by the way stay on hold we're going to take your calls coming up in hour number two and also aaron Rodgers' top five spots that we think would win uh he'd win a super bowl in right away that's coming up hour two